This episode is sponsored by Kendo UI. Kendo UI allows you to build better apps faster. They have a comprehensive library ranging from data grids and charts to buttons and sliders. Plus, you can use their components as plain JavaScript as well as in Angular, React, and Vue. They have a large collection of customizable popular themes like Bootstrap and Material. Go check them out at javascriptjabber.com slash kendo UI. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of JavaScript Jabber. This week on our panel, we have Amy Knight. Hello from Nashville. AJ O'Neill. Yo, 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 coming at you live from Provo. I'm Charles Max Wood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, and that's Christine Legg. Hello. Yeah, we haven't had, uh, New York. <laughs> we haven't had you on the show before. Do you want to introduce yourself? Um, yeah, so I'm a front-end software engineer. I was working in Vancouver up until three weeks ago um, on ZenHub, which is a project management tool. And I just moved to New York uh, yeah, a couple weeks ago. And now I'm uh, working at, at Google doing front-end software stuff here to be determined what exactly. <laughs> it's still early. Very cool. It's always exciting changing jobs, isn't it? Yeah, it's exciting. It's nerve-wracking, but yeah, it's it's good. New York is exciting, so. Awesome. Now, we brought you on to talk about Ramda. Do you want to give us just a brief overview of what Ramda is and functional programming and all that good stuff? Okay, yes. Oh, I was going to ask, have we never done a show on this? There was a show a couple of weeks ago on functional programming, but I didn't see anything about Ramda specifically. Okay, cool. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. All right. So um, I started using Ramda at ZenHub. So what Ramda is, it's a utility library in JavaScript, and it focuses on like making it easier to write JavaScript code in a functional way. So it's a utility library similar to like Lodash or underscore where like you can use like the building blocks like well-tested building blocks to work on lists and objects and stuff like that um, but it has two main differences that allow you to write in a functional style and allow you to compose functions easily so um, briefly like about functional programming so functional programming is kind of like a buzzword term in computer science right now I'd say it's like has a lot of popularity these days and um it's it's it is a programming paradigm similar to like object-oriented programming but how ramda and how i use functional programming is more of like a it's more of like a mindset and like a just a kind of guideline for how to write your code so it's impossible to write a useful application that's like completely functional because you wouldn't be able to do anything useful because things like um, having side effects, which could be anything like writing to your console, like making HTTP requests, all of those things are actually like not functional because they have side effects. So basically at, at ZenHub, we started using Ramda to help us write our JavaScript more functionally. And it, we found that it helped us write cleaner code and it made like the building blocks of the um, fun- the application that you're writing easier to reuse and like easier to build upon. So the the way that like we used functional programming is it was useful for us because we did a lot of data processing. So like we get um, a bunch of information from an API. So 
Uh, we get information from GitHub. Um, that's what Zenhub is working with. Um, data on, you know, issues and stuff like that. And then we want to do a lot of like processing to it. So using Ramda, that could like help us to do this in a clean way. I actually have a question as I'm, I just started clicking through ads. I'm a little bit familiar with this, but before we got on the call, you mentioned you did a lot of react before. So um, some of the stuff that I'm looking at shows just some kind of some concepts of using Remdo with Redux. Are you yeah. able to talk to that at all? Yeah. So that's actually how, how we started using Ramda. So um, in Redux, when you have a reducer, your uh, reducers need to be um, pure and they can't have any side effects, meaning like you pass in a state and then you return a new state. So you can't mutate the state. You can't do anything with the state. Otherwise, yep. uh, Redux breaks. So the reason why we use Rounder for this is because it's quite easy to like modify or not modify. It's quite easy to like, you know, append a new thing onto your state or change the object and return a new one. And you don't have to worry about your code like accidentally um, mutating stuff or doing something you're not aware of because like by design everything in Rambda, it's all all the functions are going to be immutable and they're all going to be side effect free and referentially transparent so like this means that you don't have to like worry that your underscore let's say if you're using underscore there's some underscore functions that mutate the thing you pass into it like the array or the object and there's some that don't and it's not explicit like it's not ex uh, explicit if you're going to be mutating them or not so this can lead to like weird bugs with your reducers so randy you just know that you can use like append or something like that and then it will append it in your your um state will it will work as expected so two things there. So refer referential transparency, that's kind of a scary word for maybe people who are just getting started with functional programming. Can you define what that is? And then I have one more follow-up question. Yeah, sorry. It's just through that. No in. worries <laughs> at all. Um, yeah, so referential transparency is kind of like, it's like a key to functional programming and how you want your functions to be. So what it means is that you can take the function call and you can re replace it with the expression that it evaluates to and your code will keep running as expected. So say like you have an add function that's like add, add, and then you go three and one. So that the result would be like four. So you can either in your code put add bracket three, one, or you can just put four and the code will run in the exact same way. So like, you know, that it's not relying on anything else or changing anything outside of like what's explicitly said in that function. Perfect. Thanks. Okay. So the follow-up question then, why would I use a Ramda versus, um, I, I know, uh, is it Brian Lunsford? I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, but I know he has a talk on this, but can you kind of speak to why maybe I would want to reach for this instead of Lodash or even if people are using underscore still? Yeah. Um, so the thing is, is I don't think that, I, I don't think that Ramda is necessarily better in all cases. And I don't think that everyone should use Ramda and no one should use Lodash or underscore by any stretch. It was, for me, the reason why I first got into Ramda because I thought it was really fun. Like I thought, um, I thought functional programming was really fun. Um, 
And so then I just got into it and like I started kind of talking about it a lot. But sorry, uh, did you use the word fun? Like I went to the amusement park fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You have like a big smile on your face. (laughs) (laughs) I'm functionally programming. Well, not that type of fun, but like learning fun. Certain things are more fun to learn than others, I would say. And in computer science. (laughs) I actually actually didn't want to just like make fun of the uh, concept here, but actually I really did want to ask you, there's a lot of, there are usually a lot, oftentimes a lot of things about programming that people really enjoy and they get you like motivated and excited. So for you, functional programming fill where on that scale? Like this is one of the most enjoyable, fun uh, things that I've done in my career. Um, or it was really interesting, but necess- not necessarily top five. Right. Uh, so my career is like very early stages. <laughs> um, I've been, I've, I graduated like two years ago or a year and a half ago. So, uh, yeah, so you've been around plenty of time. Yeah. So I would say that this was one of the, this was one of the most enjoyable things that I've like learned in the computer science, you, you know, since I've graduated, oh. since leaving school. And it's what something about- I spent the most time on. You, 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 did you get a degree? Is that what you did? Yeah, I did my undergrad degree. Okay. So you had four years of learning stuff and then you, you've been out for two years and you just learned this. So you just, you've been learning tons of stuff recently. So if you're saying that this is one of the most enjoyable things you've learned in the last six years, right? You've learned a lot of different things. So that actually speaks very highly of what you're talking about. Yeah, I think it's good. I, I um, was originally, when I was in high school, I wanted to do math. And I really actually had no idea about uh, programming at all. I never did it. I like barely even used a computer at home. So maybe that's why this is kind of like fun for me is because I feel like it's like going back to a lot of like the math concepts versus like sometimes I don't like, you know, messing with, I don't know, like sometimes uh, like some of the back end coding work that I was trying to do and making like HTTP calls and learning about how all those things work while that was interesting to me it wasn't I felt like I just had to learn that to like make a web application um whereas this one I just like got really into it and it was and it was um yeah like it was fun and and my uh some of that one of my old co-workers and I we would like send each other like snippets of code and then we'd be like rammed of this and then we'd have to like see who could get it down to like you know, the most elegant, well, I don't, elegant might not be the right word. It's really hard to read at that point, but like see who could get it down to like a single line or something like that using like one or two random functions. That is so much more fun than like horribly, horribly deep inheritance composition. <laughs> it's so much better. Yeah. Um, like coding I, golf. <laughs> well, one, one, one other quick question, because this brings up something that I've talked with like a lot of newer developers about. So you mentioned how you started doing this recently, and it seems like a trend that I've seen with newer developers, whether it be boot camps or computer science, is just that they're not really learning functional concepts when they're getting started. So would you say that was the case for you then too? Uh, yeah, so there was a class on um, functional programming, but I didn't take it. I took one class on like parallel computing, which used... Erlang, which is kind of like a, some got some functional, you know, that's a, a kind of a functional language, which I really liked. I, I guess that actually, 
interestingly enough, um, my, the very first, like, like basically like computer science 101 at my university, they use Dr. Racket, which is like this crazy language and, and uh, everything was done with recursion and it was quite functional. But I remember people had, when we went to 201, which was then Java, like making, make a, you know, an app in Java, people were like so confused if you had no experience with it because it's impossible to go, not impossible. It's very difficult learning curve to go from Dr. Racket where you can like declare a variable that's like an image and like you just do recursion on absolutely everything to try, trying to build like an Android app using Java. Like that it was hard for people to like kind of grasp where that functional, you know, like where the, how they kind of one related to the other because if you're just fun programming in java you're not going to use too many functional programming um concepts yeah for those who aren't familiar dr racket is basically an ide and interpreter for scheme and scheme is a lisp variant so i didn't know that chuck don't great. just make up words <laughs> i i should i should lift my scheme <laughs> <laughs> But I can go, Amy, you asked about like the difference, how we started this, the difference between Ravda and Lodash underscore, which I feel like is a good question to answer. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of, yeah, so people reach for that versus just using some of the functional concepts from those libraries. Yeah, so I mean, to be perfectly honest, after we kind of implemented our, our, big portion of our application using Ramda. Uh, one of the lead technical guys was like, we should use Lodash, um, mainly because of performance reasons. So if you don't, we were working with like quite a lot of data. So so we'd have like GitHub issues and you could have like, like uh, I don't know, like 10, 20,000 GitHub issues. And there's a lot of information you need to pull from those. And so we ran into like one, a couple cases where like our our like backend actually crashed because one of the Ramda functions that we were using was doing something weird and taking a really long time. And and there's been pull requests to fix some of those. So, you know, those performance things don't, um, aren't some of the bugs that we came across don't exist. Well, they're not bugs, but some of the performance issues we came across, um, they fixed. But I think that what, the reason why I would reach for Ramda still anyways is because of how it makes it easy to compose functions. And I think composing functions together is a really good way to have like clean and reusable code. So I think it makes it quite, so if you're doing a lot of data processing stuff, then I think that Ramda is like a good option to keep your code clean, provided that your data sets aren't like huge. Awesome, thanks for yeah digging into that. What do you mean by huge? Well, not not even that huge. I mean, I said we had ten thousand GitHub issues, so I was like smaller than ten thousand issues. I would, I mean, if you have like a you know a production level app that you're building, I probably wouldn't reach for Ramda. To be perfectly honest, I would go with underscore, or sorry, I would go with Lodash um, because of their performance. And then I think though that if you're like working on like you know, smaller projects and you're learning about functional programming and, and you kind of want to get used to this function composition, this whole concept of that, then Ramda is like a really good way to do it. There's actually also, Lodash came out with a Lodash FP, um, which, which uh, 
so okay so the the two main things that ramda saw with the two main issues that ramda saw with lodash and underscore that was that number one there was no automatic curring and number two the the order of the parameters the function parameters was backwards and so the problem with these two things is that it makes it difficult to compose functions together so what ramda has is all of its functions are automatically curried and the order of the parameters is always like the function first and then the data is the last parameter and then because of those things it's really easy to compose functions together and so that so that's actually why you would reach for Ramda over Lodash and underscores because of those two features. But so Lodash has come up with Lodash FP, which implements those two things as well. Um, and I looked like all over, I was preparing for another presentation with Ramda like a, a couple months ago, and I was trying to find a consensus on the internet, which one's better, Ramda or Lodash FP. And there's kind of not really an internet consensus. Uh, one of my coworkers told me, I don't know if this is true, I don't want to like spread rumors, but he, uh, one of my coworkers told me that apparently the Lodash people were working with the Ramda creators at one point, and then they kind of had an argument, and then like so, then the founders of Lodash kind of went made their own. I don't know if that's true, but uh, they're quite similar basically, and they both have those two features. So, how do you start using Ramda? Is it just an npm install, or? Yep, that's exactly it. Uh, you just npm install and then you can, you have to, I'm pretty sure you have to install the whole thing. Uh, whereas Lodash, you can install like only the functions you need or smaller like uh, chunks of it. I can't remember how big RAM is, but yeah, you have to install it all at once. And then that's it. Like you can like, you, like there's, you just start calling the functions, call whatever you want. Um, any of the, use any of those utility functions. I don't know. Did you want me to talk about currying and what that means? Sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we should uh, talk about this. Okay. It's one of those beautiful computer science terms that I think we can never hear too many explanations of. Yeah, and my I, favorite is thunking. That's it my would, and, I, and I think too, like a distinction between that and partial application would be helpful for people. Oh no, I don't know the distinction. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you my definition of currying, but uh, I'm just no guarantees this is going to make it any more clear. So basically, okay, so a curried function is a function that when it's called with less parameters and expect it, it returns to you a new function that remembers those parameters and is waiting for the remaining parameters. So here, an example, um, an easy example is like an add function. So that expects two numbers, uh, A and B. So a regular function, if you call add with only like one, it will just give you back undefined because it will return one plus undefined. You see, get undefined. But a curried function, add function, if you call curry with one, you get back a function. And then when you call that function with, say, three, it will add one plus three, so you'll get four. So you can, like, the function that's returned from um, just calling add with one, you can call, like, let's say it's hard with, I can't write it down, but say you, you declare a variable, it's called, like, add one. So add one would be equal to add and in brackets, one, 
then you can call this add one wherever you want. So you can call like add one five and you get back six, add one eight, get back nine. And so this function has now become like a reusable function that has remembered the one and then adds it to whatever parameter you're going to pass, pass it to. So it, that doesn't seem like it's that useful. Uh, it's hard to kind of see the uh, why you need that, but why that is important um, for functional programming is for composing functions together. So function composition is like, you can think of a, a function composition and how it's useful is you have like a piece of data and you want to perform like a number of steps to it. So say you want to take a string and you want to like prepare it and turn it into like a, like a encode it for like a URL or something like that. So maybe you would like take a string, replace the spaces with dashes, uh, encode it, something like this. You'd have this series of steps. So with function composition, you kind of create like a pipeline of functions that you've like combined together and then you can just drop your data in and it gets processed through that pipeline. So you take your data, you pass it to the first function that takes the output of that function, passes it to the next function, takes the output of that, passes it to the next function, and then you end up with like your end result. So when you have currying, then you can kind of like you can do this action more easily. So say one of the steps in your function pipeline, you wanna like filter out duplicates or something like that. Then you would have like Ramda's filter function, which expects as its first argument, a function by which to filter things by. And as the second argument, a list. So you can put into your pipeline filter with a predefined function like that defines the, the rules by which you want to filter by. And then when you pass your data in through the function pipeline, it will get filtered by that rule that you like pre-specified. And then that filter function you can reuse wherever you want anywhere else in your code. So is this something where you would use it if you have um, like a tree of, I mean, it, it, sounds, it sounds like it's, a, it's kind of a different way to do branching where you're, you're taking one path, like all the data is going to go down path one. And so I'm creating this new function that accepts the next piece. And then depending on what that next piece is, some of the data goes down path two, another of the data comes down path three. Is that kind of what um, it is? Or, or is it still just a single pipeline that you mostly use it for? It's a single pipeline. You can't really do, because you can't really do branching with this because, so you pass your data in, and then the output, so, so say, okay, let's say you have like a, a, like a pipeline that's like first is like remove duplicates, next is like capitalize everything in the list or something, and the next is like, I don't know, combine them all into one word. So what you're going to start with is a list, and then what you're going to end with is uh, like one string. So you... Down, so your first function will be remove the duplicates. So that's going to take a list and it's going to output you another list. But you can't really branch that out because the the things that got like filtered out, those are just like th those are just gone. You have you don't have access to that. You can just you can only pass like the output of one function to the input of the next one. So it's like a single pipeline. What what this is what this is kind of 
people do function composition all the time without actually like knowing what the concept means. And the most common way that you would do it is using intermediate variables. So like this is like a common pattern where you'll be like, uh, okay, so let's say we have this like list that we want to combine into a string. So it's like a strange example, but so so your first thing that you do is you declare a variable that's like, uh, you know, list with remove duplicates. So you they be like const list with remove duplicates equals remove the duplicates of the list. And then your next line, you would say, um, you would call it like capitalize list. So then. For that one, you'd be like const capitalize list equals capitalize all the letters of the list without duplicates, the variable that you just declared right before. And then the third line, you would be like uh, re result is equal to concatenate of the capitalized list, the previous variable. So, so declaring all these intermediate variables, that's like that's actually exactly what function composition is also doing. It's just in a kind of different way of writing it. Right. So instead of using the intermediate variables, you just chain it all together and get the final output. Yeah, exactly. So like that intermediate variable is kind of hidden. You, you just pass the data in the top of your pipeline and then it comes out the end and, and in the form that you wanted it. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, if I remember right, we invited you to s come on the show after you spoke at Developer Week? Yes. Um, so, so what was kind of the focus of that talk that you gave there? So that talk was a, um, it was 50 minutes long, like five zero, And it was, it was kind of an intro introduction to Ramda. Um, but what I did in, I, I spent, kind of a quarter of it talking about functional programming concepts. So this is like currying and, um, you know, side referential transparency, which I mentioned before, these types of things. And then introducing like these features Ramda, which is uh, currying, automatic currying and the function first data last API. And then I did a demo. So with the demo is kind of interesting because basically what I did is take a bunch of, I hit the Twitter API, got a bunch of tweets. And then the final output was a list of category or like hashtags from those tweets and like kind of like a bar graph that like it, it, I made this like Unicode bar graph on the console. So the example there was like taking like the, to showing showing this data processing pipeline basically. So you start out with like 
an object, like a, a list of tweets, and then you end up with like this string that's like a bar graph that you can print out uh, to the console. Um, so that, that was, it was actually my first time ever talking at a conference. So uh, I was not sure what the best kind of, you know, what type of information people were looking for, but it seemed to get uh, people, it was, it was easy to, the demo I think was a good way to show uh, function composition. It, it's easier to show in a demo than talking, I think, because it's, mm -hmm. it's a bit like, um, yeah, it's kind of hard to explain, but I have the repo and stuff like that, that I posted in the show notes uh, in the Google Docs. So people could take a look at that and you can kind of see some examples of the function composition and what the end result looks like. Makes sense. So when you use Ramda, how much of your own functions are you using versus the functions provided by Ramda? Um, so the functions provided by Ramda that, you know, you use often is, is like, you know, things like append and prepend and, uh, prop which takes the property of a uh, object and returns that to you S uh some other common ones I'll, I'll think of those after but basically like the functions that wh when i use ramda in the code the things that i use is like r.compose and r is how you call uh ramda so r.compose which is the the thing that basically allows you to do this function composition. So, so r.compose takes a bunch of uh, functions, and then when you pass it your data at the end, it passes. It, it does exactly what I was saying, where where it uh, basically passes your data through this like function pipeline, the, through the list of functions that you provided it. So, r.compose is a popular one, and then just like the very basic like uh, utility library stuff that you would use from lodash and underscore. So, yeah, stuff like append. You know, there's maybe like five or six functions that that uh, we use commonly, and the the thing that we use more at the thing that we kind of really liked about Ramda when we were using it Zen Hub was like the the philosophy of it and this functional programming to help us write cleaner code. The problem with Ramda and using all the functions they have is that it, you can definitely go too far. Like you can end up with like you know, using things like lenses as a as a Ramda thing that that is kind of a way to see the properties on objects and and change those properties and stuff like that. But it's like really, if you don't know anything about functional programming, if you never used Ramda before, it's like really hard to know what exactly is happening. So like the when you come in to read the code and you look at the code and you see all these lenses everywhere, you have no idea. It's not readable at all. And there's there's some Ramda functions that like can do exactly what you want. They're really cool, but it's so hard for someone that's coming in to look at your code to really like understand what it's doing. And it doesn't necessarily make it more readable. And we ran into some of those problems. Like when I was like in like the height of my like obsession with Ramda, I would just do Ramda for absolutely everything. And it was, it was, yeah, people weren't very happy with me at that point. Uh, Cause it's just so hard to read and it's not clear at all. Like, you know, you want to do something simple, like, rename rename a, rename a property or something in an object so like return a new a new object with the property renamed and like you know you can use ramdas converge and and do some stuff but you know this is like a simple thing just rename the property but nobody had any idea what the code was doing 
because you'd have to actually go look in the RAMB documentation to see what Converge does and then to really know. And, and the only benefit is that you can get it into one line. And that's not really uh, the goal of programming usually, but it is kind of fun. But yeah, so, so there's tons of Ramda functions, but I don't think that, you know, it's actually like, I don't think you necessarily want to be using all of them um, because it will make, it will eventually make your code harder to read. And, and also sometimes harder to debug because when you have everything all in one line and you have no intermediate variables, it does become difficult to debug because you don't, you put a, try and put a breakpoint in your code and it's all just one line and a whole bunch of stuff is happening. A whole bunch of data is being processed and you don't have no idea um, where the bug is. There, there are ways to debug using with Ramda's compose, with Ramda's compose. So you can, when you compose a function in between every step, you can put like a, like a console log and then you can see the result after every step. That's one way to do it. But of course, that's quite a lot of work. Uh, well, yeah, decent amount of work and is it really, yeah, when, you, when you're running into so many problems debugging, it might be a sign that like you, you kind of do want to use intermediate variables and take a step back from the Ramda and see if it's helping or hurting the readability and like maintainability of your code because it can definitely go too far. So this kind of brings up a point that I was going to ask your kind of experience on. So were you at all, when you were at ZenHub and you were using Ramda, did you help the adoption or was that already in place when you were there? And I, I'm curious, like along with that question, if there were any reservations by anyone on your team and how you kind of mitigated those. Yeah, so when when we started, when we adopted Ramda, basically it was like my second week of my internship uh, when I was still in university and I was working on ZenHub and the team had decided that we were going to refactor our code base from Backbone to React. So th this decision w w was decided more or less like before I started, like in the weeks before I started. And so then along with that decision was uh, this decision whether or not we wanted to use Ramda or underscore Lodash. And I had actually... I had never I had never programmed JavaScript before, so I didn't know what any of these things were. So in those meetings, like in my first week, I had no idea. Like I had no input because I didn't know what anything was. And so I would not say that I helped the adoption because I didn't know. I, I didn't participate in the conversation. There was pushback definitely on the team with Ramda because um, I think that people kind of didn't really want to learn functional programming. And it... it yeah, and it wasn't like the norm, like kind of what most people are using is Lodash or, unders or underscore. So that was more like the, you know, the, the common way to do things. And so to be honest, I'm not really sure why we ended up with Ramda. And then I know that since then, there are people do like to use Ramda, kind of. There's a couple people on the team that still like to use Ramda, but mostly people are kind of like, you know, Either they don't care or they actually like actively dislike it um, because it can be harder to read and because of the performance issues. Yeah, it wasn't like a straightforward decision. And, and I can't say that it was the right, the right decision. I'm, I'm not convinced that it was the right decision. Um, but the reason why I got so into it was because I didn't know anything else. So I was going to have to learn something anyways. I was, I was learning JavaScript. So like, 
learning functional programming is just like an extra thing that seemed fun. So that's why I got so into it. I was probably like the biggest, myself and my other coworker, we were probably like the biggest supporters of Ramda and people would come to us and ask us to help them out. Like if they had like, you know, some something they wanted to do to a list, they'd be like, can you help me put Ramda into here? And so then, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed doing that. Um, if they would have to ask for help, if we were using underdash, or so, sorry, lodash or underscore, uh, maybe not. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a tough decision, I think. I, I don't think there's a straightforward answer. And, and I think it really depends on, you know, what type of application you're building and stuff like that. Um, I do have one more question just about like any good resources besides just their official documentation for learning Ramda. Uh, so on their wiki, uh, on Ramda's wiki, they have a list of, um, there's like a list of articles about Ramda. And I would say that those are the best way to learn there. It's not really like a tutorial or anything like that on how to use it which is why sometimes it can be a, like a bit hard to learn um, just because there's no like quick start, you know, guide to get started with Ramda. So I would look at that Ramda wiki article. That's how I started. And then, so like there, there's an article introducing Ramda, why Ramda. So I would, yeah, I would basically start with those articles on their page. I think they're, I mean, to be honest, I, that's what, that's what I use. Yeah, that's what I use. And there's like not much more out there. The easiest way to start using it is to take a look at a couple of those articles and then just, and then just say, say you want to write a reducer in, in a Redux. If you look at some of those articles and then try and write like a, a simple reducer, then you start to see how um, this would work. Or another option is like if you have Lodash or underscore in your code, you can uh, take Ramda and basically try and you know if you if you have tests or something, then you can rewrite your Lodash or underscore co- code in Ramda and you can kind of see how how they're similar and how they're how they're different. But those articles talk about currying. They talk about the philosophy of Ramda, which is like this easy function composition. And I would say that that's like a good place to start. So you can, you can kind of just start, start, you can kind of start using it just in the most simple cases. And then you, you can lead up to more complicated function composition. Cool. All right. Well, it sounds like we're ready for picks. I'm ready for picks. All right. Then, Joe, why don't you start us with picks? Deploy more, pay less with DigitalOcean, the simplest all-in-one cloud computing platform for developers. Scale and run cloud applications faster and more efficiently with effortless administration tools to robust compute, flexible configurations, networking services, real-time alerts, and rapid provisioning while enjoying industry-leading price-to-performance with a flat pricing structure across all global data center regions at any usage volume. Spend more time building better web apps and less time worrying about managing infrastructure with DigitalOcean. Build your next app on DigitalOcean. Get started with a free $100 credit at do.co slash jabber. Well, I don't mean I'm like ready to start. <laughs> <laughs> you no. said you were ready. I was ready for Rails. No, I'm totally good. Totally good. All right. Um, so I got two picks for you today. One 
is Top Golf. If you happen to live in an area with the Top Golf and you've never gone, you should totally go. It's super fun, even if you've never played golf before, because it's it's more like mini golf, really, but it's way more fun sitting in an, in a climate controlled pod, having food brought to you, playing with your friends. Take like four or five of your friends with you. We played a bunch of us after a meetup went to one and the guy who was by far the worst at like actual golf was the guy who won the first game so <laughs> it was really fun so definitely check out top golf if you ever have a chance um and my other pick is going to be uh i bet this several times before the framework summit is coming to park city utah in october of this year the second and third the conference about all frameworks two-day conference and what's really cool about this which i'm not sure if i've mentioned on this podcast or not is that the day before we're actually going to be hosting a framework creators summit where the teams from all of the like the five-ish major frameworks that are around today they're still pretty popular and growing emberview react angular and elm are going to be all in the same room having their own conference about learning from each other and getting better at managing community and contributions and that sort of thing. And just working together as a group rather than uh, doing what maybe certain presidents of certain countries would say that people should do and fight. (laughs) (laughs) Not naming any names. (laughs) Not doing this political. Anyway, I, I just think it's super cool uh, to have the, such amazing brains all in the same room learning from each other and that's gonna be happening the day before that is not a public event that is a private event uh but still gonna be really awesome um and i'm excited that that's gonna be going on the day before the actual conference those are my picks awesome i will be at the framework summit and i will be doing everything i can to gate crash the other summit uh, it's it's no risk for me. It's only an hour's drive, if that. So, anyway, uh, AJ, what are your picks? Well, a little life story here. It, it turns out that I have ulcers or silent reflux and or both of them that may have. It, 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 it turns out it's caused by a bacteria, but there can be other factors that cause it to get to the point where you start to notice it, that being things like stress, change in diet, et cetera. Um, So as part of that, I had to start taking the purple pill and also change the way that I'm eating for at least a month or two so that everything has time to settle and get back to normal and the flora in my stomach can return to a, a safe level and then then I should be able to go back to eating the foods that I'm used to. Because it turns out that basically everything that I eat on a daily basis is on the do not eat list. That being primarily um, milk, sugar, and red meat, but not combined together, thankfully. Um, So that's the lead and that's the context. Uh, Goat's milk is easier on the stomach supposedly and causes less acid production in the stomach supposedly than cow's milk and i think it just tastes really really good now i still am supposed to limit myself to less than two cups of milk a day anyway um but 
I've been having goat's milk and it feels like it's easier on my stomach in this condition. That could be psychological or it could be real, but it definitely tastes really, really good. Um, so if you're in an area where your supermarket has goat's milk, I'd say try it out with the caveat that know that it's not going to taste like cow's milk. It's going to have a distinct flavor that is reminiscent of goat. Um, which could be a huge turnoff the first time. <laughs> but it, <laughs> Chuck is laughing. I can see Chuck on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> He's like dying. He's not just giggling. He's like dying. But no, it's anytime you try a new food, like cow milk tastes a little like cow, but you just don't notice it. I just want to know, AJ, if I were to just take cow's milk, but just add in goat flavoring, which I, you can pick up at any grocery store, oh, right? Is it the same or does it actually oh. taste different? Does that like chocolate milk, except it's goat milk? Oh, I can't have chocolate milk. That's the other thing. So I don't know about that one. I can't. What about ask. chocolate goat milk? No, I, I, no, I tried chocolate soy milk and it, and I could tell that it made my stomach really upset. Chocolate is on the no-no list. And I was like, but it'll be okay if it's in soy milk, right? No, it's... Uh, it's have you tried some of the other al- milks? Like, we actually buy, like, almond milk for our kids. I love almond milk. It's all I drink. I don't yeah. like almond milk. It's a little too bitter for me. I really do like cashew milk. Does it just... Is it not goaty enough for you? <laughs> it's not... Well, I like... I, there's something about that just raw animal protein and fat oh. combined into these... <laughs> Because, like, for example, if you were to, you know, have, like, like goat-flavored water or cow-flavored water, you know, like, scam or 1%, like, some people are into that, but not me. I take it, 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 I take it whole. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll pick, I'll, I'm going to pick whole milk once I'm a little I, think, <laughs> I, I hope there's a Dasani executive taking notes, goat-flavored water. Yeah, and I am so tempted to see how grossed out we can make Amy. Yeah, I, the best picks ever. I can't Absolutely even drink like skim milk. I can only do almond milk. Well, I'm sorry. Do you have Asian in your bloodline? <laughs> I have Indian. <laughs> well, there you go. Because Indian is a mix of... Wait, wait, hold on. Are you talking about Indian Native American or Indian India? I think we're way no, off no, the rails have, here, folks. I have a pretty <laughs> big amount of Native American Indian in me. Yeah, and that that comes from Mesopotamia and Asia are the two bloodlines that come into. Anyway, goat's milk, y'all. Goat's milk. It's Everybody's the, it's talking the, about. It. It's the new Pringles flavor. Goat flavored Pringles. Just awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I've only had goat's milk one time, and uh, I was watching when they milked the goat. <laughs> so lovely. It was warm. It was fresh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's a creamery where I get raw cow's milk every once in a while. It's like 40 minutes away from here. I love that stuff too. It's I think it's easier on the stomach as well. I'd be up for trying it. It's, it's good stuff. Anyway, Amy, what are your picks? Okay, so we're gonna AJ's pick made me think of something, and this is absolutely yes. disgusting. Something you can share publicly? Uh, yes. <laughs> it's so <laughs> gross, but it worked. So these picks are going to be kind of long-winded today, but I, my friend last week had strep and he was helping me move. Cause I uh, just bought a house or just bought a, like a small condo. Um, and we had a bunch of people over and we were all moving and I ended up drinking from his water bottle for most of the day without realizing it. And 
6.30, I had my last swig of the water. Now, was this and regular water or goat water? <laughs> it was water with BCAs, branched-chain wow. amino acids. Uh, anyways, and so at 8 o'clock, uh, as we were wrapping up, people were leaving. He says, I really don't feel good. I think I have a fever. And at that point, I realized that I had been drinking from his water all day. And I was like, oh, wow, this is not good. So the next morning, he texted me because he went to the doctor and he had strep. And so I was like full-blown panic because I tend to get sick a lot and I get strep a lot. I never had my tonsils out. But I went online because I really didn't want to have to pay. I have an HSA. I really didn't want to have to pay to go to the doctor. And it said, if you gargle with apple cider vinegar every 20 minutes, that it can kill the strep bacteria. And lo and behold, I did that. And a week and a half later, I still did not catch strep. So my pick is going to be apple cider vinegar because it's a bloody miracle that I do not have I did not get strep after drinking from the same person's water that had strep. Anyways, uh, so that's my first pick. And now my programming pick is... Uh, so we had um, Jeremy Fairbank on a couple weeks ago. And because we're talking about functional programming today, I want to re-pick his talk once again. Um, you know, we talked a lot about a lot of these different concepts and I thought his talk did a really, really, really good job of discussing these, especially as they relate to JavaScript and the stuff that we've talked about. So that's going to be it for me today. Awesome. Um, I'm going to jump in with a few picks here myself. So uh, one of the picks that I have, um, and, and I picked this on the other shows too, sorry folks. Um, so this last weekend, I was working on my yard and I went up uh, tilling all the grass under. Of course, we had already sprayed it and tilled it with Roundup. So because um, I'd been fighting the weeds for years and I was just like, I'm done. I'm starting over. Um, sod's coming on Saturday, by the way. So anyway, um, one thing that I found that's very useful for a lot of this stuff, if it's stuff that you're not going to use very often or maybe just one time, is Home Depot's tool rental. So I've, I've rented uh, the crimpers for plumbing. I've rented, you know, and that's like 10 bucks. Um, but I rented a hydraulic tiller and just did my yard, my neighbor's yard. Um, and so anyway, it, it, it turned out to work out pretty well. And it uh, was a pretty good deal considering all, everything that I got done that I needed to get done. So uh, I'm pretty happy about that. Um, so yeah, Home Depot tool rental. And then um, I also just wanted to pick um, podcast movement. So by the time this comes out, I think we're enough weeks ahead to where um, it'll actually already be over. Um, but if you go to podcaster events, uh, let me know because I go to a few of them every year uh, just to make sure that I can line things up and that worked out pretty well. And then my last pick, um, also events that I'm going to be at. I meant, uh, mentioned that I'm going to be at Framework Summit, um, but I'm also going to be in Las Vegas in January for CES. And so if you're, um, if you're, if you live in Las Vegas or you're going to be in Las Vegas for CES, uh, let me know. Um, one thing that I found just as a tip, if you're going to be down there for that kind of a thing is, um, if you go on VRBO, as soon as they give you the dates for CES, um, I got a deal, I think it's a studio apartment for 42 bucks a night. Um, and it's right down by Fremont street. Um, if you're familiar with Vegas at all, which isn't that far from the strip at all. So uh, anyway, that's way cheaper than uh, hotel prices. The cheap hotels with the not as nice rooms, they, they go to like two or $300 a night. 
And uh, the decent hotels are, are much more than that until the end of the week. So if you're going to be at CES, book your, uh, your stay early and uh, make it work for you. I usually drive down. So, um, you know, flights I, I can't really speak to. But um, anyway, for the rest of it, that, th- those are my picks. Uh, Christine, do you have some picks for us? Yes, I do. So my first pick is uh, some music. Uh, so this is a Vancouver band that I've been listening to a lot recently. Um, but it's not a band, it's a guy, but his name's Dan Mangan. And his like, I think it's his first album is called Nice, Nice, Very Nice. And it's uh, a couple years old now, but it's really good worth listening to kind of like indie type chill music. Um, I feel like it appealed to quite a lot of people, but I really like it. And he's from Vancouver. Uh, my other pick is the podcast um, Reply All. Um, and well, they say they're like a podcast about the internet, but it's like a very broad, they're very broad podcast. And they basically take like a lot of like things that viral stories or stories that like somehow start with like anybody going on the internet, basically. And uh, they kind of follow those. And it's it's pretty funny. So there's like one episode where they basically uh track down one of those scams where they the scams where they call you and tell you they're from like apple or something like that and and that your account's compromised you have to call them back and it goes to like a call center in india so they actually like end up going to the call center in india and talking to these people about the scams um so they have like just quite a few like crazy episodes that are really interesting and and relevant i think because everyone i'm pretty sure most of us have been scammed at some point by one of those scams. So that one's really cool. And uh, yeah, that's it for me. Awesome. Now, if people want to find you online, uh, I'm thinking like Twitter, blog, Facebook, uh, GitHub. Uh, wh- where are you at these days online? Um, so I'm not like hugely active online, but uh, you can find... So my GitHub has a link to, the, um, to my uh, repo that was... I used for my introduction to Ramda that I did at developer week. So that's um, the, my GitHub handle is leg, which is my last name, L E G G E C H R. Um, that's my GitHub and my Twitter. My Twitter doesn't have much on it, uh, but I mean, I could start posting stuff. Um, maybe it's not a bad idea. Um, but yeah, the, the Ramda stuff um, and the demo, the code from the demo that I did is all on my GitHub. So I would say that's the best place to go. I, I could also post a, a link to the um, to the actual talk itself in the show notes. I don't know if we want that, but I could post, post that in, in the show notes. And um, yeah. All right. Sounds good. Well, thanks for coming, Christine. Thank you so much. Thanks for and talking. Thanks to our panel. Uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this up and we'll be back next week. Thank you. Bye. Awesome to have you back, Chuck. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.